Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. I'm your host, Coaching Klutz. Um, I'm really excited for this week, guys, because I have my first interview guest on. Her name is Caitlin Holmes. She is a certified nutrition specialist, so we talk all about nutrition for running. We actually talked for so long, and then I had to split our conversation up into two episodes. So today is part one. We go over the basics of nutrition for running, and I think you're going to love this. Next week will be part two where we dive into more specifics of fueling around long runs and races. So moving from the basics a little more into the specifics next week, but I hope you love this episode. Um, I'm really excited for more interviews to come this season. It's so much fun and enjoy my conversation with Caitlin. So hi, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited for today because I have my first interview guest ever. Um, Caitlin is here with us today. I actually worked with her last year with on my nutrition, and I'm really excited to talk all things nutrition and running today. So Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. Woo, hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. Yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation. Um, so first, do you want to inter- introduce yourself for anyone not familiar with you? Yeah, sure. My name is Caitlin Holmes and I am a certified nutrition specialist who works with athletes on their nutrition from the basics all the way to performance enhancement. So that's the gist of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Caitlin is awesome. We worked together last year and I came to you mostly because I wanted to see if I was eating enough, which I know is a common issue in our endurance space. Yep. And it was a lot of fun. And like I mentioned before we started recording, I have a story for you first. <laughs> I, I'm so ready to hear it. <laughs> it's disgusting. And I just need everyone to know what happened to me today. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. So I've been getting Hungry Root, the delivery service. Mm-hmm. And normally I really like them because they just like, it's kind of like what you told me, like just throwing things together and not cooking necessarily. Yeah. I put my wrap down. I spread on the spinach artichoke stuff. And then I took a big handful of spinach and threw it on there. And then I looked down and there was a moth in it. (gasps) Oh, no. Sitting on top. Was it like dead moth or like, hey, we're still cruising on your spinach? So I assume (laughs) it's dead. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Oh. Yeah. So I freaked out. It was disgusting. Yeah. You're like, this is not my packaged spinach should not also be moth leaves. Yeah. So I threw it all out. (laughs) Well, that's one way to get rid of it. (laughs) And I couldn't even finish the wrap. I I got the moth out of it in case anyone's worried, (laughs) but it's still, oh, it's so disappointing. Like I'll, I've had some instances like that where I'll open up, like, you know, you get fresh Brussels sprouts and then it's like all inside. You just see it's like coated in in little bugs. And Mm -hmm. normally I'm like not super squeamish, but I'm also like, oh, I want to enjoy it. Not the whole party here. Yeah, It's it's hard to get that image out of your head when you're actually eating the item. Yeah. Once it puts you (laughs) off, you're like, Mm, next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disappointing. So, I know it's not really helping me like vegetables more. <laughs> no, definitely understandable. <laughs> uh, so that so was much fun. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> had to tell you that side tangent first, but Let's dive in first. Can you go over the macros in general and then like how they relate to running for everyone? Yeah, absolutely. So what I really love about 
talking about macros and micros too. And that's macronutrients and micronutrients in case anyone's like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's easy when you see, or somebody says, these are the basics and it might not feel basic for everyone. And they're like, well, wait, back up, back up. Like, what is, what are, what are those things? So I think they get glossed over a lot. So I think of macronutrients as kind of like foundational nutrition. So the macros just in general are really the, the things that we need to eat in bigger amounts. So that would include carbs, protein, and fats, of course, but then it also can include things like cholesterol, fiber, and water too. Also calories in general, those are considered macros. And then alternatively, you have your micronutrients and those are more of the things we need in relatively smaller amounts. So vitamins and minerals, just basically. So I think they're all macros in general, each have a very important role. Of course, carbs and protein and fat have a unique place in the diet. So that's why it's important to have all of them rather than excluding one over another. Mm -hmm. They really do have a vital role in our, our basic health. Yeah. And we've talked about this a lot, I think, but the messaging for us women is always like, don't eat carbs. They're not good for you. And then 20 years ago, it was don't eat fat. They're not good for you. And it's like, wait, (laughs) I know. What do I do? (laughs) And then protein's all there alone. Like, what about me? Yeah. And then sometimes they're like, protein's bad and excess. I'm like, oh oh my God, no wonder we're all so confused. (laughs) I know. Does anyone even eat protein in excess? I'm I'm like, spacing on the other things that it can contribute to because I'm, I've like had to relearn these things too, where it's like, no protein is fine in excess because that data is actually incorrect. Your body is really resilient and it knows how to process it, what to do with it and how to excrete excess. But I would say more often than not, people are under consuming because the recommended daily allowance. So the RDA for protein is 0.8 grams. And that that's per, I believe per pound. Um, and that's just not enough. It's, it's really low. Yeah. It's, it's really, really low. So there, there are a lot of people who are trying to ask for that to go up now. So it's like for elderly people, especially, but also athletes, like there's not a lot of nuance for people like us because most of what we hear, even in like the food rule type of sphere, it's all based on people who either are already sick or it's like the very general average public who like aren't active. So it gets pretty tricky to talk about. Yeah. And something I found really interesting is I used to work at a gym when I was like 24, I think. And so I really got into like the bodybuilding world yeah. And over there, they're all about protein. They're like, you got to get your protein gains. And right. then running, <laughs> no one talks about protein at all, like ever. Well, back in the day, it's changing now, but. Yeah, yeah, it's like, there are these missing links. And it's so funny you mentioned, like within the running sphere, I've totally seen that too, where all mm-hmm. of my runners who work with me, they they are so low in protein. And then usually carbs are really low too. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? Whereas like with climbers, there's like another whole, you know, basket of things going on. So it's really weird to see like what type of food rules we learn in our different sports. Yeah. It's super interesting. So for runners, what would you say they should aim for protein wise daily? So Protein wise, I'm going to go at this from a perspective of grams per kilogram. So uh, if you're like me and you're like, we don't go on the metric system, (laughs) then all you have to do is take your body weight in pounds and divide it by 2.2 and that'll get your body weight in kilograms. So Typically for athletes, I recommend anywhere from 1.2 to two grams per kilograms. And where that might change is on the higher end. If you are in an active muscle building phase and you're trying to put on muscle, if you are injured and you're trying to recover, if you're sick and trying to recover, and then also if you are in let's say a bit of a deficit for one reason or another, you want to make Mm -hmm. sure you bump up 
protein calories to prevent muscle wasting. So the lower end doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that's, that's the only thing you can do, but, um, the lower end, I think 1.2 grams per kilogram is still sufficient for a lot of athletes. I kind of err more on the side of like 1.4 to 1.6 for a lot of athletes, even if they're, Mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily in an active muscle building phase. So I would say that would be probably 20 to 25% of your daily calories. If I had to guess. That makes sense. And especially I know a lot of people like, aren't just a runner or just a climber. It's like, yeah. I, they're also lifting and right. Doing all the things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then you need even more to support all of your activity. Yeah, definitely. And if, if you're coupling like endurance with a strength-based sport, it's like, depending on what your goals are, it doesn't mean you can't do all the things at the same time. It just means like, if you're going to do weightlifting one day, you might want to prioritize protein afterwards. Whereas like with a, an endurance run, maybe you prioritize carbs and fats a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, it, it kind of comes down to like the basics of you individually. And that's, that's a tricky hole to go down, but (laughs) that's why people work with you. Yeah. (laughs) This is what I'm here for helping you find your own nuance. (laughs) Yeah. It is very hard to find like what's normal for you, especially with all the information out there. And so for protein, are there any signs that, you know, that like you can tell you're low in it from a, a weekly basis, maybe? Yeah. That's a good question. Cause I think we get hung up on like the long-term outcomes, which are like very rarely is anybody going to have a long-term protein deficiency, like the classic Mm -hmm. version of that. Uh, but short-term you might take longer to recover from training. So if you're sore for like three days or more afterwards, I would say, you need more protein. And then if your sleep starts to change, that can be affected by low protein, uh, general fatigue and weakness, and then also not being able to push your, your limits and, and see like new gains, new PRs. Those can be some, I would say more alarming notices Mm -hmm. from the body to be like, all right, bump it up. Yeah. Those are great, um, tips. (laughs) <laughs> it's also, it's hard to notice, I think too, cause we're so busy. It's easy to like run yeah. through the, the motions of every day. So I think soreness is a really good n- notification system because yeah, if I think, right, like with new training, building those adaptations, you might be more sore than normal, mm-hmm. but then if it goes weeks and weeks and you're like, I am trashed. I'm so sore. I feel like, well, maybe bottom line, just add a a protein shake or like another serving of something that's protein rich and call it a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like, like for my runners that work with me, they normally have the same schedule every week. So like week to week, if you have this, a similar speed workout, for example, Mm -hmm. you can usually tell if you're not recovering as much as the week prior. And obviously there's nuance, Mm. like, are you building or doing like more time and intensity than the week before? Then that might be a reason, but like, if we look at it overall. Yeah. If it stays similar, like you, you build the consistency and the routine and you're still really sore. It's like Mm -hmm. alarm bells. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of my athletes are actually vegan or vegetarian. Ooh, yeah. What are some tips for getting enough protein for them? Cause I know it's a little harder since you like can't do meat sources, obviously. And that's like a really readily available protein source. So, yeah. So with vegan and vegetarian athletes or or people who are more plant-based, it, it does get a little bit tricky, but it's not impossible. Like, I think that's something that we hear a lot too. I don't know, some, a, a very well-known, uh, nutritionist was like, you can't be a vegetarian and be an athlete. And I was like, that's not true. That is false. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bold statement. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh God, no wonder we're all just like, what do I do? But the important thing to remember with plant-based 
protein is that there's no such thing as a plant-based protein that is complete by that. I mean, it's not a complete source of essential amino acids, and we have to get those essential amino acids from the diet. So where we aren't getting it from meats and dairy products all the time and eggs, things like that, that are high in those, we have to prioritize the protein sources that kind of complement each other. So we call those complementary proteins. You can combine uh, grains with beans. You can combine grains with nuts and seeds or beans with nuts and seeds. So it's like rice with black beans or walnuts with <laughs> walnuts with spaghetti was what I came up with. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Anyway. I mean, yeah. it could be good. <laughs> Who knows, right? Oh, maybe you could make a pesto and put that. <laughs> That'd be really good. Wow. <laughs> Came up with that on the spot. <laughs> but I think that what's most important to remember is like soy products. Um, if you are eating eggs and dairy, those are excellent sources of complete protein. But if if you're not, you know, you kind of want to have those other options available, like beans, um, lentils are are a particularly high source of protein. Uh, and then you could do things like, I know I already said soy, so I'll move on from that, but you know, the nuts too, um, grains of course as well. And I'm personally a big fan of things like tempeh, which is fermented soy. Um, you could do there are just so many options. I'm like, what do I name? Um, I think we oftentimes like feel like we might be a little bit limited, but in terms of like Mm -hmm. those quick, quick grab things, definitely like you might need a little bit of planning ahead just to make sure you get enough. Certainly plant-based proteins, like vegan proteins are a good option and just getting the variety when you can throughout the day is a good way to make sure you build up the protein numbers. So mm-hmm. if you feel like you're, you're not getting enough, you can bump it up a little bit just by adding in variety nuts as snacks, seeds as snacks. Uh, like I, for me personally, I, like I said, the tempeh or soy milk, because it's so high mm-hmm. in protein and fun fact, soy is not the, you know, devil we've made it out to be. <laughs> it's actually great. And if you're concerned about, you know, GMOs, of course, buy organic and, and you can absolutely prioritize that. Yeah. It's just about mixing it up, mixing and matching too. And then just keeping in mind, there are a lot of things out there. I know like the impossible and beyond burgers now are mm. certainly an option yeah. and just gives a little bit more flexibility. Yeah. And those are a lot more common in restaurants now too, which is helpful. Yeah. Which is kind of amazing. Actually. Yeah. It's like people like hooked right onto that so quickly and you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I remember when I was, I was vegan for a couple months in like mm. 2013. Yeah. Not the same back then. <laughs> no, I was vegan for four years, end of high school, going into college. Not the same at all. So things have changed a lot. And I think products geared towards plant-based athletes are generally more complete and contain Mm -hmm. all of those essential amino acids. And that's kind of why I, I mean, sometimes I'll even just spend a little bit looking at the plant-based section now, because even in really basic supermarkets, you know, it doesn't have to be like a whole foods. You can Mm -hmm. still find a lot of those plant-based items that are surprisingly like great options. So more, more things coming out these days. Yeah. And they put them all together usually, which is really helpful. Definitely. Yeah. So helpful now. And I'm like, wow, I had to search in the past. (laughs) I know it was like one shelf (laughs) in one row. (laughs) Yeah. And then you say vegan and people are like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Don't even get me started on the cheeses or quote unquote cheeses. (laughs) Yeah. There's, I I imagine they've gotten better, but I hear they have early on. Those things were bad, bad news, plastic. (laughs) So for protein powders. Do you have a favorite brand for plant-based? I have a couple. I really like, of course, Gnarly Nutrition. I think Mm, that's probably my go-to just because 
it's one of the only brands I've found that has exactly what I'm looking for in terms of protein and content, but also the taste is so good. It just tastes like pudding. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of the other plant-based brands just aren't super tasty. Um, but I know that because gnarly is a bit expensive, sometimes I'll go towards like Orgain, and you can usually find that Mm -hmm. at Costco and Sam's and they're pretty good. And they mix well with smoothies too. I've also really liked Legion. That's when you taught me about, and I was like, Oh my God, this is so good. (laughs) Oh yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Their flavors are are really unparalleled. So big fan. And I think those are, those are the big three for me and Oh, Thorn actually, um, Thorn T H O R N E that's a, Hmm. a brand that has a lot of products that I really, really like, but their protein powder is great too. So big fan. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. We were just talking in our Slack channel yesterday about Hmm. protein powders and like how to incorporate them. I personally put it in my oatmeal every morning. Yeah. Then like first thing I have a bunch of protein and carbs. Absolutely. I love it. Checking (laughs) those boxes. Yeah. (laughs) And blueberries. So I get my fruit. Yes. Yeah. You're checking it off. (laughs) And peanut butter for the fats. (laughs) I'm like, wow. Prize people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, putting it in protein or putting protein in oats is such a good idea too. And Mm -hmm. what's funny about protein is I think it can only be heated to like 160 degrees Fahrenheit. That might be a little bit off, but in oats, fine. Pancakes, fine. But baking it, not fine. (laughs) Really? It denatures. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. It's kind of rude in my opinion. I'm like, why? It is. Why? (laughs) So then this is totally a tangent. So like back when, (laughs) back when I had my baking company, my protein banana bread was a lie. If you baked it over 160 or whatever degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's still I'll... some in there, yeah. right? But yeah, isn't that crazy? Whereas like collagen powder, you can heat to over 500 degrees Fahrenheit. So Ooh. it's kind of strange. It, it's just bizarre. Yeah. Huh. So speaking of collagen. Yeah. Can you go over what collagen is and is it worth it? Yeah, totally. So collagen is one of those newer supplements that's been popping up here and there. And I think us athletes are like, well, that's cool. I wouldn't take that. So (laughs) it's essentially made from the skin bones and connective tissue of animals, which is a little bit weird to think about, (laughs) but it can be sourced from usually either cattle or from fish. I've seen some made from like poultry before, which I thought was kind of bizarre, but I mean, Hmm. in any case it is what it is. (laughs) And essentially collagen is something that we produce naturally in our bodies for our connective tissue skin as well. And it's what provides that like elasticity, the structure Mm -hmm. of those different cells. And when we eat collagen or take it as a supplement, we're simply promoting our body's own synthesis because you're essentially providing it with like the tools it needs to do that. So it's made up of three amino acids and it's glycine, proline, and then I think isoproline that might be, don't quote me on that, but off the top (laughs) of my head, those are the three. And, um, those are not essential, which is interesting to note. So, um, with collagen taking it, it it can actually help, like I said, stimulate our body's own natural production. And where that comes into play, I think is when you're in a sport that uses a lot of those, you know, connective tissues Mm -hmm. and you're trying to build up their strength and support them. That's when it can be helpful. There are so many research studies coming out now that are very, I would say, promising. Like it does show a lot of good data points when you take it before, especially before a workout and also over time. So 
where it gets a little bit tricky to know what that means is like over time. Is it every day? Is it twice a day? Is it mm-hmm. only when you work out? I don't know that that has necessarily been found out yet, but I would say if you prioritize it on the days of your workout, especially that's going to be a big benefit for people. And I know that it's, it's kind of one of those expensive supplements. So mm-hmm. I would say if, if you're not quite there yet, you can still support your body naturally from eating things that are high in vitamin C, copper, silicon, protein, zinc, and then just hitting your calorie targets in general. Those are going to be just some, you know, an easier way to bump it up in the natural like realm of what your body needs to produce it on its own. But long way to tell you, yeah, it's a great, (laughs) great option. If, if you would like to try it. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. I feel like it was like the hot thing a few years ago. Yeah. I was like, I need to get collagen. (laughs) Yeah. It it totally seems like it now it's like commonplace for people Mm -hmm. to have it. And usually when clients are injured or they become injured, I'll say like, ah, maybe if you want to add it, you can, or just prioritize those foods that'll help stimulate it. But you know, protein, collagen in general supplements are, are super dependent on the person and what feels good for them. So yeah. As everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody's a unique snowflake, right? (laughs) Truly though. Truly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So now that we've discussed protein at length, let's get into carbs. Ooh, carbs. I love carbs. (laughs) Me too. So this was one of the things that we had to work on because I don't eat enough carbs. (laughs) Those runners, you know, you guys, (laughs) especially on my double days when I would lift or climb with running, definitely eat more carbs. You need them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can you go over like how many carbs should runners be aiming for? I know it's probably a wide range because individuality, but yeah. Yeah. So the, the kind of like default recommendation, I would say, I know I said it's about 20% of calories from protein, but carbs are probably more close to 50% of your calories per day. I think that depends on a lot of athletes. So say for example, if you're doing like carb periodization, carb loading, that of course would look a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So maybe the range becomes 40 to 50% of your calories per day but I would definitely say like going lower than that could be a detriment to your performance. Cause carbs are, they're kind of critical. They're pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> they're important for energy, which we need in order to run. Definitely, definitely need that. And what's cool too, is like, if you've ever seen, I'm sure you've seen this at length in your certifications, but you know, that like classic table of like more, uh, like why can't I think of the, the crisscross where it's like at some point you start using fats, but in the beginning you're using carbs. So it's Mm -hmm. like, we know at some point, like, of course, we're going to be utilizing more carbs right out the gate. Like your body, in order to get used to that rhythm, carbs are going to be key. And then later fats, as they start to break down and your body can use them because they're a little bit slower to break down, those will come in later and help push your endurance. And then carbs might come in again when you need to like push your limit. So that's why we want to really, really boost carbs in the diet. Yeah, that makes sense. And for like ultra running, I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people, their stomachs don't handle fats well while they're running. So like, yeah, you need to eat carbs then. Yeah. Well, you have to like with ultras, especially because fats are so slow to break down Mm -hmm. your body's like, but I need the energy, but it might just sit in your gut or like cause, I mean, that can be one of the contributors to runner's diarrhea or even like that cramping feeling. Cause your body just can't digest it that quickly. Mm -hmm. Fats are kind of tricky. I know like people experiment with, um, medium chain fatty acids. So like MCT oil, that's sometimes something that yeah. athletes try, which in my experience still creates some tummy troubles. <laughs> yeah. I, so I tried keto in 2018. Yeah. Um, so those for were times, those were times. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> in the morning I'd have, you know, my coffee with the MCT oil and I had, it was perfect keto. Mm-hmm. It was like their chocolate powder. 
Yeah. And like almost every morning I drink it and my stomach would hurt for hours. And I'd be like, this is fine. Yeah. You're like, it would go great. away. We're but fine. I was still like, mm. yeah. yeah. And we just live in the discomfort. Why? Why do we do that? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't yeah. running that much back then, I will say. So, <laughs> well, you learned what didn't work. Ever. That's part of it, right? <laughs> yeah. And keto is just really hard in general. That's a completely other. Yeah, podcast. I, we could have a whole podcast about keto. <laughs> oh yeah, you want to talk about planning? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't get anything on the go. No, definitely not. But like pepperoni. <laughs> yeah, it's like people just live on cheese blocks and pepperoni, yeah. which I'm like, well, welcome to a whole <laughs> number of health issues. <laughs> not not good. Um, Mm-mm. but you know, carbs are so critical. To circle us back, (laughs) um, carbs are so important for not only like strength, short and powerful movements. So like sprinting bursts of power with climbing, or even like initially out the gate at a race or at the end, when you're trying to push your upper limit to like, you know, push the bounds Mm -hmm. carbs are so critical there, but they're also really important for mental function. Like our brain thrives on carbs. And the only reason it'll work on keto is because we turn fat into ketones, which Mm -hmm. essentially carbs. So it's like, no matter what brain wants carbs, that's bottom line. And it's important for digestion. We really need it to help like support normal bowel activity, you know, things that we mm-hmm. want as humans. Yeah. <laughs> those normal <laughs> things. And, and those are, I mean, it's so important to just get that variety bottom line. It comes down to like the foundations, but also as a performance tool too, I think carbs are like my favorite. Well, I love them all, all the macros, <laughs> but right now carbs. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to choose one. And I mean, yeah. like, I know a lot of runners, or just people in general are like afraid of carbs, but like, there's a reason why running gels are made of just like straight sugar. Yeah. And people are like, oh, but that's not healthy. I'm like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Just because it's not quote healthy doesn't mean that it's not supporting you. It's like, Mm -hmm. I think that's why we'll think about like normal race day foods where it's like the smuckers, like uncrustables, there's a reason that those are everywhere because it's straight up carbs. And that's Mm -hmm. like such a tool and, and definitely can be used as an asset. And like, obviously you're not going to eat a bowl of gummy bears every meal. Maybe you are, I don't know, but (laughs) on like a race day could be really helpful. So it's like sports nutrition versus basic nutrition. There's like some overlap, but -hmm. some not. Yeah. I was thinking when I was preparing for this podcast that it's interesting how like in like diet culture, everything's like, you need complex carbs, like simple carbs are the devil. But then when you're running, you want simple carbs. So they break down quicker and you can use them quicker. Versus yeah, like- and, yeah. Yeah. And what's funny about that too, is some people are different. Like brown rice might work well for some and not for others. Like it, mm-hmm. it's super dependent. Like I personally don't do well with complex carbs before I do anything, <laughs> but with like simple carbs, like white rice that it, it can be a little bit easier to digest and can give you that quick energy where it enters your bloodstream pretty immediately. So yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. There's no bad foods. No, no bad foods, no food (laughs) rolls. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the things you taught me that I've taken. I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm really glad to hear it. It's, it's one of those things when I started working as a nutritionist, I was like, okay, I have to also believe this (laughs) because we've been conditioned, right? Like it's so hard to know, like we've heard these things for so long long that it's, I think it's really easy for us to like get caught up in like, well, wait, but isn't that like a tried and true rule that I have to abide by and follow? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, when you're born, you didn't, you had to learn that it wasn't like an inherent innate thing that you knew. Yeah. And I like to think back on like when we were in elementary school and they had the food pyramid and grains were like massive. Yeah. Grains are like the devil. 
It's like, no one knows anything. I know. And (laughs) it's like, well, if the USDA can change the stupid food pyramid every five years, then like, how come I can't change my mind? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's so bizarre. Yeah. I'm sure it'll continue changing, but like, I really like the, the new, like my plate thing. Cause that's yeah. what they've moved away from. Mm-hmm. They're still, I'm still going to complain about everything where it's like, instead of water on the side, it's always still milk. And it's like, okay, <laughs> milk's not bad, but like, why not water? People need water. <laughs> yeah. Hydration is huge. Yep. Big thing. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll have to cover that too, but I had one more question about carbs. So, you know, the afternoon slump. Yep. Big fan of not that. (laughs) (laughs) Is that due to carbs and how you're eating or is it more complicated? I think it, uh, the best response I'll give you is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's my very political response, but, uh, what I think it comes down to is, Say for example, you, well, this is, I'll back up. This is what I normally see with people who have that afternoon slump. They're usually skipping breakfast or eating it later. Mm -hmm. And then their lunch might be at different times every day. So essentially what that causes is your body has been in a very low blood sugar state and like your body has mechanisms to counteract that. It's not to say that's not happening, but Mm -hmm. when you go from this state to all of a sudden, like a lot of food, say you're really hungry, your body, like blood sugar spikes. And then after that, that's what creates that like fatigue afterwards. It's just your body's like natural balancing mechanism. So that could be part of it. Um, it could be just in general in the afternoon, maybe like the composition of your meals, it could be Hmm. been sitting in front of your screen all day and you just need to get away a little bit. Like there's, Mm -hmm. I think it really does depend, but more often than not, I usually see it's because of inconsistency in meals, skipping meals, poor hydration, things like that come into play a lot. So having a snack and also making sure that your meals are well-balanced and consistent at normal times is going to be a big factor in that. I was guessing you'd say snack. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, if you feel hungry, it's your body's like, Hey, what's up? (laughs) Feed me. (laughs) Okay. So if you do hit that slump asking for a friend, how bad is it to (laughs) grab a second cup of coffee? I think it's okay. Like, look, I'm, I'll be honest. I had coffee before we got on this podcast. (laughs) So I I think it's okay where it becomes an issue is if you know that sleep is something you struggle with anyway, then Mm -hmm. of course you might be like, well, let's maybe have something else. Maybe go grab a snack, maybe, you know, have something that is going to provide a little bit of energy and something you feel excited about. If, if I should say that that's a big key, but I think there's not necessarily anything wrong with grabbing an afternoon coffee, but again, if it's going to impact your sleep, maybe reconsider. And like we've said a million times that will be individual. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's unique. <laughs> yeah. So one day after lifting, I went at like 5 PM and finished around six or something. Yeah. And I just grabbed one of these little like premier protein shakes. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at it. Oh no. It, it um, caffeine. Oh yeah. It was, no. the, it was the cafe latte one. <laughs> no. <laughs> a cup of coffee. <laughs> You're like, wow, it tastes so good. Oh yeah. But the funny thing is I didn't realize it until I went to drink another one a few days later. And I was like, oh I had a cup of coffee at like 7 p.m. that night. Yeah. Well, did it sounds like it didn't really affect you then, which is no, interesting. I think so. But maybe my quality of sleep was lower and I just didn't notice, you know. It, it could be, yeah, if it's like day to day. Hard to say, honestly. Who knows? <laughs> it's true, especially this time of year. It's like my sinuses are not happy. So I'll wake up in the middle of the night and they'll hurt and be Ooh. stuffed, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just the discomfort. I mean, you can probably hear me. I'm a little bit sinusy right now. (laughs) Gotta love spring. (laughs) Uh, Spring in the Rockies. Not, not great. (laughs) No. Okay. Is there anything else we're missing with carbs? Overview of carbs. (laughs) Yeah. We've covered, I think we've covered 
a good ground other. Well, I guess the one thing I'll say that we haven't mentioned is kind of like the nutrient timing principle of carbs. And I think that's important. However, I think we, we can definitely cover that around like eating around long runs and races too, if you want to. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. Um, so the last mac, well, the last of the big three macros yes, is fat. And I think we can spend the least time on this one, but yeah, it's important. Eat it done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fats are, fats are critical. You can get them from a lot of sources. And again, like we talk about no such thing as bad things in terms of foods. I would say the only fat that I would avoid is probably trans fats, Mm. but things like saturated fats, you know, you can eat those. And I think those can be eaten in moderation. Usually the the guideline is only 10% of your daily fat should come from saturated fats. Those would be things like animal-based fat content, but uh, also things like uh, dairy and then also coconut oil as well. Uh, can be a big source of that. And then you have your omegas, but you know, your, your plant oils, uh, things like olive oil, avocado oil, walnut oil. There's so many out there, but canola (laughs) oil is actually not that bad as we once thought too. And yeah, what I'll say there, get a variety, get a good variety of different fats. Um, make sure you take a look at the smoke point and when you should cook mm-hmm. different fats at which temps, some fats prefer to be cooked at a lower and slower temp, whereas some can be heated higher, usually the more fat content, um, and more closely to like a saturated fatty acid, those can be cooked at higher temperatures. Whereas something like olive oil that has a lot of uh, PUFAs, I know we talked about that, (laughs) PUFAs and MUFAs, you want to make sure you heat those less. So that's all. So yeah. And then as a a tool for energy during like low and slow uh, intensity activities, that could be a good fuel source. But if you're trying to push your limits, if you're on like a longer endurance type of run, like maybe wait until afterwards to refuel with fats. Yeah. Fats are great. Personally love peanut butter. Oh yeah. I would be lost without peanut butter. (laughs) Oh my God. I know. Critical element of my diet. (laughs) It is. It baffles me how other countries don't consume peanut butter. Yeah. It, I just, I'm like, wait, what do you do instead? Yeah. Like what, is there a replacement? Oh, there's not. Okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I remember being in Spain and paying like $6 for the <gasps> smallest thing of Jiffy or Skippy. Not so, Skippy. One of those. <laughs> one like of those. $6. Yeah. Like or it might have been six a... euro. And back then Yikes. I always forget which way is which, but it was more expensive. It was a lot. The dollar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan, but we love our fats. Yes, we do. Okay. So the last thing I want to touch on with the macros before we dive into running specific is you mentioned total calories. Mm -hmm. Big topic. (laughs) Big topic. Um, This is similar to protein. I think where a lot of people are not getting enough calories. Yeah. Especially, especially my ultra runners who also climb or lift. (laughs) Do all the things in under fuel. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think calories are, it's a tricky subject because I think a lot of us also don't really know what's enough. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I approach it is from like, rather than what's my max, I go more along the lines of like, what is enough to satiate me? Cause if you are under fueling, there are going to be a lot of complications. Even if it's not happening right away, you will long-term start to see different impacts across the entire body. It's not just like, oh, all of a sudden I'll lose weight. Okay, maybe, but do you know where that weight is lost from? Is it is it your muscle? Is it your bones? Like we can't, the body is not picky. It's like, well, we actually, it is, we want to keep the fat to protect our organs. So we're going to dump the rest of it. Anyway, mm-hmm. I digress, <laughs> but <laughs> calories are like, I know we've, we kind of talk about like the biggest mistakes I see and not enough calories, like under fueling in general, and then not hitting 
calorie targets or like even consistently under fueling in that like target realm is, is Mm going to be a detriment to health. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing people get hung up on around calories is like hitting that magical number every day, but I don't know if it was you or if I just heard it somewhere else, but like focusing more on over across the week, do you hit enough? Yeah. I think we talked about this as more of like the average over time, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's less about the day to day and more about the week, the month, the year. And I think we get caught up, like you said, on that single number, but your body, even though it stays relatively balanced each day to tell somebody you need to eat exactly 2,347.98, whatever, you know, calories per day is kind of ridiculous. (laughs) It's like, well, I just don't understand why it's so absolute when in actuality, it might be more of like an average of Mm -hmm like a, a caloric range that you're on average hitting rather than like so specific. So it's hard to know. Yeah. And I think the average over time helps a lot with rest days. Cause I know yeah. like I used to think a rest day, I can't eat as much as the other days, but then like, especially with yeah. ultra training after a big weekend, I'm hungrier on my rest day from all that activity on the weekend. And then usually I'd eat more on the rest day versus like other days of the week. Yeah. I would actually say like eating more on rest days makes sense to me because Mm -hmm. you, you know, if you're training one day, you obviously have less time to eat. So it might be hard to hit your calories, but you'll be in a deficit that day. So you'll, you know, you may not always be in a deficit, but if your rest day, you're like, Oh, I'm hungry. Like, I think people oftentimes will be like, I'm more hungry on my rest day, guilt, Mm -hmm. shame. I feel bad about it. When in actuality, I'm like, no, that's actually your body's most natural like way of telling you, Hey, we need more food. So it's a good time. Cause you're not then burning the additional calories and you need to replace what you didn't consume the other day. And I find it helps to like remind myself that I'm fueling for my run the next day. If anyone like struggles with eating on their rest day. Yeah. I think it's such a good reminder, like whatever's going to help you. Cause like when you don't eat enough on your rest day, you're not only harming your recovery from the day prior, but you're going to go into your next day under fueled. And that's like, we don't want either of those scenarios. No, (laughs) we got goals. (laughs) Yeah. After a rest day, you should feel well, not always amazing, but like ideally amazing. Like, yeah, prepared. more amazing than not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. like there's other things going on in your life that cause you stress, but that's different a different topic. Whole different podcast to get. Yes. <laughs> got a lot of options to go. <laughs> I know. Okay. So we talked about how, like some signs that you are not getting enough protein. Is there anything different for total calories? Cause I'm guessing it's similar signs. It's similar, but with not enough calories, you might feel uh, mentally like you're either really tired, really irritable, or just Ooh, kind of yeah. off in general. Yeah, hanger, just, yeah. you know, putting that out there. <laughs> um, you might also notice that you're uh, like kind of foggy, brain is foggy. Um, you might again feel weak, like you're not recovering well. You might also notice that your skin is really dry. Your digestion's kind of poor. Sleep is poor. There's a whole bunch. It kind of depends on the short term versus the long term, but there are a suite of things that can happen. So yeah, don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, don't do it. So if anyone listening has any of those signs or symptoms, maybe just add another snack in your day. Yeah, absolutely. Like keep it simple. It doesn't have to be all of a sudden, like a big overhaul in your diet. Like it could be really, really simple. One additional snack is a good way to approach it. I like that. Yeah. And Kaylin taught me that multiple snacks can be a meal. Yes, they can. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, charcuterie boards, snack plates, whatever, like it could be absolutely sufficient and snacks get a lot of hate. And I'm like, uh, you know, we babies of the nineties, eighties and nineties, <laughs> we, we missed out on some, some pretty amazing snacks. Dunkaroos anyone? I mean, come on. <laughs> Dunkaroos are so good. Yeah. We were just stuck with like snack wells. Although I did really like those little, the little devil cake ones. Yeah. Those were very good. <laughs> it's amazing. Cause I feel like 
in my house, we weren't allowed to snack and it was like, Oh, not a normal thing. So when we'd have snack at snack time at school, it was like this mega treat to get all of them. And I was like, why don't we get to have this at home? (laughs) So now I don't know. I think, um, there's a lot of explanations for adulthood food confusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Snacks were very much a part of my childhood because I had two younger brothers and ah, boys eat anything, you know? Yeah. They're always eating. Well, you got the benefit of that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Except they would eat all the snacks. Oh man. So now you're like, got to make up for lost snack time. Well, yeah. And then once I, when I turned 16, that's when I started struggling with food. So I was like, I'm not eating snacks. Yeah. It's the, it's like the first thing people cut out when in actuality, it's like, no, those can, those make a difference. They help. Mm -hmm. Just, you can eat more than like 12 almonds. Just saying. Yeah. The like six almond rule makes me, we want to talk about grinding my gears. That's a big one. (laughs) Like what psycho decided that for everybody? I don't know. That doesn't even like fill my palm. Isn't no. a palm a serving? Yeah. Yeah. Like a really solid serving is like a comfortable palm. Yeah. And that's like not necessarily 12 or 18 almonds. Like your palm size is different from my palm size is different from so, you know, anybody mm-hmm. else's. So it's like kind of, you can go off of that to help determine what works well. So rules be damned. <laughs> yeah. So funny story when I was younger I would like look at the serving size sometimes. And if I saw yeah. 12 almonds, I would choose the 12 biggest ones. I was like, yeah. You're like, yeah, it's 12 almonds. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually, I mean, great. <laughs> <laughs> the serving size stuff is also ridiculous because it's based on yeah. 2000 calories a day. And I'm like, I, I don't really know. Most of my athletes eat more than that. And they should because mm-hmm. that's it's kind of not a lot. Like really it's, it's not, it's like, yeah. it's a base, base guideline. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because what's marketed to women all the time. is like yeah. the $1,200, <gasps> 1200 calorie diet, which like I eat that by lunch. Yeah. Maybe. That's how much you would need if you were staring at a ceiling all day doing nothing, or if you were a toddler. So yeah. Both yeah. of those sound not great. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Is there anything we're missing with regard? Obviously, there are a lot of rabbit holes we can go down, but yeah, I think we covered the the big big topics. So big yeah. things. Minus hydration. That's a, that's another topic. Another whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, <seriously. laughs> That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time.